a Radio 191 FM podcast. Mr. Speaker. All right, that's right. It's time for politics here on a Monday morning. I'm joined by John and Vivian Morina to you both. Kira Kutu. All right, we're going to kick off with a little bit of Brexit now. Um, one of the world's greatest ruse is set to come to an end this week, or uh, maybe the start of the real pain to be inflicted on the lower and middle classes of British society. Um, but will it happen on the 12th? Um, and if so, will it be hard or soft, deal or no deal? Uh, let's have a quick recap, John. What is Brexit? Yeah, so Brexit is um, is Britain's decision to leave the European Union. Uh, the European Union is made up of a number of countries. Um, UK first joined the precursor to the European Union, the European Economic Community, way back in 1973, which was a devastating blow to New Zealand's economy because mm. uh, it suddenly cut off access uh, to right. the UK um, and New Zealand's economy well, it had to diversify in terms of who it was going to send its products to. But anyway, uh, there was a referendum held in June 2016 and a majority of people who voted, actually 52%, 17.4 million voters voted to leave the European Union. And it's all been quite a bit of a mess since then. So the uh, the date has changed. It's meant to be happening at the end of this week. Um, I would say it's very doubtful whether it is going to happen this end of this week. But a number of things have to happen if it's going to be pushed forward anymore. And the European Union, of course, can just say to Britain, stuff you, uh, it's going to happen, which would be a no-deal Brexit, um, which means that barriers would immediately go up and uh, border controls would immediately go up and we would have, in effect, a very hard Brexit but one that hasn't been negotiated. Mm. Well, the EU isn't going to just roll over and let Britain slip out the back door. Um, they have to be tough, really. I mean, if you're not, the other nations, especially in this current climate of nationalism, uh, will sit there and go, wow, maybe we want to get out too. Um, so, you know, and that's not what the EU wants. That's not what the EU Parliament wants. So they're going to... You know, they're going to be very tough on the UK, and so they should be. Um, uh, but, you know, what sort of Brexit do you think we're going to get, Vivian? And do you think that, um, you know, the UK government are doing a good job of it? Or um, even if they were, they're not really going to get much credit or praise because either way it's yeah. going to be hard. Either way, now I think it's going to be a, a, a difficult um, result, and I don't think it's going to be a result that people are going to be happy with either side, and I think it's a, a bit of a bummer. But now you've got the people who originally pushed for Brexit aren't backing the deal, and the, I think they don't realise that if they don't deliver um, a Brexit with a deal, they're just going to get a hard Brexit, which is not what, what anyone wants, I don't think. No. Um, and I think the Brexit we're going to see is something a bit messy, and like you said earlier, the European Union aren't going to make it easier for them to leave with sort of like the nationalist sentiment in a number of countries like Poland and Austria. It's sort of, um, you start one trend and make it look like it was easy for the Britain to leave, then it's just going to have a big flow-on effect. So I think um, what we're going to see is maybe the EU turn around and say, no, get stuffed. We want you to leave before the European elections, um, which is sort of like the next big deadline. Um, 
And if they do that, I think we'll end up with a Bre- no deal Brexit, yeah, um, which will be an absolute dagger, which will see you know barriers going up in Northern Ireland and the mm. um, that Irish backstop uh, falling apart essentially. Which is, I think, everyone in par- the British Parliament could probably agree that's not what they want. But I don't know they they seem to lack a lot of common sense. I'd be interested to see what would happen in a general election in the UK soon. Well, that's right, that's right. And I'd say one will probably be quickly called after um, the deal officially goes through, whenever that would be. Um, But, yeah, it's... (sighs) I feel for for them. Um, But what what about, you know, public thoughts have changed. You know, or cons- uh, with with some polls coming out saying that maybe um, the Brexit would would lose another referendum, but then again, uh, we've seen polls in New Zealand and uh, well, in, in Britain and in the United States mm. in recent times be completely and utterly wrong. I, you know, you just can't trust polls mm. anymore. Or oh, could you ever anyway? Uh, um, but you know, should there be another referendum? Um, you know, this is a big thing. Leaving mm. the EU is huge. Uh, and do you think it should have just come down to that one vote? Well, it has to, how else can it not, unless you um, make it an undemocratic referendum that you have to get 60, 70%, uh, but then you're giving undue weight to those who want to stay mm. in the EU. You're you're giving their vote uh, uh, an added boost if you make it like 60, 70% or whatever that has to say. A democratic decision has been made. Uh, um, uh, 52% of the population, 17.4 million, decided to leave the EU. And I uh, personally, I think, that should be respected. It should be respected by the British Parliament and it should be respected by the European Union itself. Those people who are campaigning to stay and saying that we need a people's vote on this, I think it's incredibly disingenuous. We've already had a people's vote and that was the referendum um, when 52% of the population decide to leave. Whether you like it or not, that's democracy. And I think um, both the MPs in the British Parliament and uh, the EU are at to thought uh, democracy Um, and I think uh, a lot of respect should be given actually to Theresa May she's not for Brexit but she said well this is is what the majority of the population voted for and I'm going to go out of my way to make sure that that Brexit happens and it would be undemocratic to hold a second um, referendum and often that's a way um, for politicians to get their own way is if you have a referendum like this the population votes against something that politicians don't like they just make it so difficult afterwards to enact uh, a popular decision that yeah hold a second referendum and then and suddenly the the establishment and the politicians get their way. Yeah, but I mean, the establishment, some establishment and politicians have gotten their way, Vivian, and they've gotten their way through a lot of ruse, a lot of lies, a lot yeah. of bullshit. You know, there were numbers that were thrown around by the Leave campaign that were totally Just false lies. and wrong. Yeah. That's right. So is it really democratic? Because, you know, you're, you're trusting to get all the information from those at the top. You know, when you're doing this kind of yeah. stuff, you want to know what's going on. You want to know if it's a good idea or not. And if you're getting told a, a bunch of garbage, and then you vote for that garbage, yeah. you're being fed it. Is it is that is that fair? No, it's not. And I think that um, the whole campaign was sort of to, like brought right down to just being leave or remain. But people were never told what would actually happen if they left, or what would happen if they remain. And what really happened was um, the dialogue was led by the the leave campaign, and they just fed a whole lot of lies but as soon mm-hmm. as they're out there people are just going to take them and just sort of take them for granted and it's quite hard to get that sort of thought out of their mind like yeah. sending 270 million pounds a week um, to the EU was just a lie Yeah, um, and it could be spent on our national health service well that 270 million dollars or whatever amount got sent over most of it was coming back as well 
Um, but it is, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so kind of same to you, um, John, because you were just so so um, you know, for, well not forceful, but you were passionate about the democratic process. Mm. If if um, the Leave campaign is built on lies, is it really democratic? Um, well, all political campaigns are built on lots but of the, lies. Yeah, I know, but this That's isn't <laughs> just one of all political campaigns. Uh, this there is were, there massive. Were, you could argue also there were uh, plenty of lies coming on, coming from the stay campaign, saying that uh, Britain's economy would collapse uh, the day after the referendum if a majority of people voted for um, Brexit, that... Uh, um, um, Britain's place in the world would collapse, blah, blah, blah. Those things didn't happen. There was a drop in the um, pound, but the British economy has certainly not collapsed. It's as strong as ever. Um, and I just think that, uh, yeah, I mean, in any political campaign, there needs to be a competition of ideas, and, and, and people are going to lie, uh, and it's the right of, of people to challenge those ideas and, 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 and question people's statistics, etc. But um, again, a democratic decision's been made, uh, and it's not being respected by the British Parliament or by the EU. And and that's regardless of, of the um, the lies or the propaganda that were put forward by those campaigning for Brexit. Um, um, the, the decision, they're trying to stop this decision mm. and they're trying to hurt Britain. And as um, Vivian said, it's uh, because they're wanting to provide a lesson uh, to other countries that you... And when we talk about the EU, we're not really talking about all the countries in the EU. We're talking about the powerhouse of Germany and France to a, a lesser degree. And, and they're also pushing around other countries within the EU at the moment. So Italy, uh, which is a populist right-wing government that's economically leans to the left and is trying to expand welfare yeah. uh, provisions, the EU is saying no. And that's effectively Germany and France saying, no, you can't do this. Um, Greece, they almost uh, destroyed uh, uh, Greece's economy um, when there was no need to uh, and, and, and basically took over the democratic process in, in Greece, uh, didn't allow um, the will of the people to be heard in Greece. So again, when we're talking about the EU, we're talking really about Germany and France, those big that big power block that can push other EU countries around. And to me, that's, that's inherently undemocratic. Yeah, well, but, you know, I, I don't blame them. I wouldn't let them out either. It's just like any gang. You join a gang, you try to get out, you're going to have trouble doing it. You're going to have a lot of trouble yeah. doing it. Um, it's interesting. Um, you know, I was told over the weekend that uh, Mr. Dyson, James Dyson, uh, Sir James Dyson, uh, he was a massive Brexiteer uh, to get out, and as soon as the referendum went through, he shifted his base to Luxembourg. Oh, yeah, there's lots of hypocrisy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, I mean, because, for, because Brexit's going to be good for his business, mm. you see? Yeah. Uh, and and his, his tax. Uh, I can do that now. Anyway, uh, what about Aotearoa New Zealand? Um, you know, like we, like we were saying before, they took all our butter. Mm. You know, they loved our butter. They still do. Anchor's big over there. Um, but, you know, now we've got things like wine. Uh, they'll take our, our meat again. You know, is, is Brexit going to be good for us? You know, if, if borders go up, if tariffs um, come in, which probably won't mm. um, but uh, you know will will this will New Zealand's products look a little bit more attractive post brexit I think so mm. um, well if well if they get a no deal brexit I think New Zealand will be in a really good position to step in and um, sort of take the place of those European suppliers to the UK market but um, if they do get the deal which they're currently proposing um, which would mean they stay within the trade union or yeah. the trade sort of organization 
which means they'll still have all those trade negotiations and will still be blocked out essentially um, so if we do get a no deal Brexit that'd be great for New Zealand um, not <laughs> great for the UK but um, you'd see New Zealand products all of a sudden uh, becoming a whole lot more attractive again and sort of taking away the um, sort of going back to like the 1960s and 70s where all our we were essentially Britain's farm mm. um, we'd supply them with all those primary goods uh, so yeah I think if, if there is a no deal Brexit it'll be great for our economy if there's a deal well the current deal then nothing will really change yeah, not for the immediate future anyway I mean the, the deal that Theresa May has um, uh, signed up to with the EU would mean there's a long transitional period yes. so nothing immediately changes yeah. but eventually um, it um, would most probably lead to um, yeah uh, the closeness between the European Union and Britain economically sort of breaking down over time. Yeah, I mean, they've had trouble getting the deals through Parliament. I mean, nothing's mm. gotten through yet in the, in the British Parliament. Um, they keep voting everything down. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it, it, like you said, is this a delay tactic? Or, or, you know, what do they want? You know, they're not going to achieve perfection. Mm-hmm. So, there's, you know, the UK Parliament just, they either have to decide or they're going to go for a hard Brexit, which is, just seems ridiculous. Mm. Well, the politicians and they want to get voted back in. Uh, they don't want to sign up to any deal that could hurt them in up-and-coming elections. Every deal's going to hurt them. Mm. Uh, but there's also ideological divides. There's uh, uh, people who do want a hard Brexit, want to be uh, um, totally separate from um, the EU economically and uh, to put up hard borders around Britain. Um, and then there's uh, people who want a soft Brexit, which would essentially seek keep their economic relationship going uh, but um, Britain would no longer formally be part of the EU and then of course there's people who are completely opposed um, uh, to Brexit want to stay in the EU so I guess because you've got all those different blocks in each party actually um, and um, that that makes it very difficult to get a majority of votes for one single deal which is what has to happen you know yeah, well, there are other countries in the in Europe that have um, that aren't part of the EU, but they do have those um, mm. those economic deals. Mm. Um, and but, but the biggest campaigners for Brexit say, uh, well, that's not what people voted for. If it's just going to uh, um, Europe and the Britain remain economically uh, integrated, then that's not really Brexit at all. It's actually a worse situation where Britain no longer has any uh, political say uh, in the rules that the EU uh, push out, uh, because it's formally not part of the EU anymore, but it remains economically tied, so it becomes, uh, its sovereignty is is, is lessened. Mm. Well, no matter what, they're going to be economically tied to Europe, regardless of whether or not they've got a big deal or they just have a bunch of small deals. I mean, that's their, their partners, right? They're right beside them. They've got no choice. Um, yeah, unless they want to start exporting to, you know, South America or something. Uh, anyway, is there, is there going to be any winners? Is, will there be any winners soft or hard? Uh, well, you could say um, uh, the winner will be democracy if the decision that people made on the referendum uh, is actually enacted. If it's not, then that's uh, a lost democracy that shows again that the, uh, the, the, the power block within the EU, Germany and France, can actually uh, turn their nose up at, at um, countries majority of people's democratic decision, as they did in Greece, where people voted for a far-left political party uh, to push 
against uh, austerity that um, the EU or Germany specifically was demanding of Greece um, and, and Germany basically said no, you've got to push through with austerity and then suddenly we had a, a far left uh, quasi-Marxist political party pushing through hardline neoliberal austerity because it was forced to and that's not democracy. And again, in Italy, um, they're trying to expand their wealthy system, which has been voted for. That's what the people wanted. And Germany and France are saying, no, you can't do that. So um, to me, it, it, whether you like Brexit or not, and I'm not saying oh, I'm for Brexit, I'm just saying a democratic decision mm. was made and that should be respected. Yeah. Or, we, or, we just, mm. or we just give up the pretense of having democracies anymore. Sad but true, isn't it, Vivian? Yeah, no, it's sort of interesting. Talking about sort of Greece and Italy, I think their economies are so in the dogs, it's just ridiculous. They've got no money to spend on anything. And if they don't do any of these austerity me- measures, their economies will collapse. So I think they're lucky to be part of the EU because they had a big brother to say, if you do this, like, seriously, mm. this will help you out. And they went, no, 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 we're going to do this. And it was sort of, no, if you don't do it, like... We're not going to loan you any more mm. money. But then, then the, <laughs> even the Economist, the Economist magazine, which definitely leads to the right, yeah. said that um, austerity was completely the wrong uh, route to go down after the financial crisis, that there was absolutely no need for Greece to car- carry out heavy austerity. But this was an ideological decision and a political decision from Germany uh, and its allies in the EU. It wasn't an economic necessity at all. And that's from a right yeah, wing but it's sort of, um, magazine. You can sort of say that what they needed to do was increase spending but the only way they could do that is if they had any money, mm-hmm. which they didn't have any money of, because they've got a retirement age of 50 and a high tax bracket of 20%. Like, it was never, nothing was ever going to happen in Greece. And then Italy, I think, is um, just a lost cause currently, but can definitely get turned around. Um, you can sort of see what's going to mm. sort of play out there. But uh, you can sort of, with, with Germany sort of throwing its weight around within the EU... I think the difference is with the UK, it's actually another big economy that's not doing terribly. Mm. So that's where they're getting a wee bit more nervous around what they're going to do with the mm. UK if they do leave. Because if Greece, Greece left, like, I mean, there'd be a party getting thrown by the rest of the EU nations, or, you know, if Italy decided to, like, you know, kick I mean, up Italy's a storm a and leave. It's a huge economy, yeah. It's one of the top 10 economies in the world. It's, yeah. It's significant. Yeah, it's bludgeoning off the rest of the EU with um, loans, but um, I think the UK is not in that same boat. So by taking the UK out, it's just a real blow to the rest of the EU. Mm. So that's why they kind of drag them back in. But anyway, it's sort of... Right, let's yeah. move on. Let's move on. I want to move on to gun control first. Um, now, the government has uh, implemented new gun laws in response to the white nationalist terror attack in Christchurch. Um, what are the new laws, John? Well, they're still being rolled out, um, but under these new laws, uh, military-style semi-automatics and assault rifles will be banned. Uh, And there's also been put in laws to stop uh, stockpiling of these weapons. Um, So, yeah, um, there'll be far more stringent regulations on what type of guns are allowed to be sold. Uh, There'll most probably be a buyback period um, um, to get what guns that are now illegal. So there'll be a transition period where people will hand their guns into the police into the government that's already gets, happening yeah and get some compensation um, yeah so it's a f- and uh, possible laws including that um, each gun has to be uh, registered as well whereas my understanding that it's only no. gun owners yeah. who are registered at the moment yeah that's right that's right um, and yeah high capacity mags bump stocks uh, any other converting technique uh, te- technologies uh, to make weapons uh, mm. that might not necessarily have been assault rifles or semi-automatic mm. weapons um, and t- to turn them into those. Mm. Um, but um, why ban these? Has it been a knee-jerk, Vivian? 
Um, it has, but kind of almost necessary. Uh, if anything, they needed to have a bit more long, a longer consultation period. Um, but otherwise, I think it's probably the right thing to do long term. Um, but it's sort of laws that probably needed to come in over a much longer period of time. And I think there's sort of things such as the, the buyback scheme they proposed is you paid up to eight, maximum $800 for your assault rifle. And um, I know a lot of mates who are hunting and they have guns that are worth, you know, eight $9,000 that they're just not going to, they're just going to hide them. They're just going to hold on to them. If the government doesn't know they've got them. Why would they hand them back and get $800 for it? It's sort of like, no, nah, no. Nah. So I think that buyback scheme has sort of failed in a way that people aren't getting more well, value for what they've actually already owned. But I guess and in it the could current, cause a black yeah. market as well. Yeah, but I guess you've got to look at the, the bigger picture of it and go, well, actually, just like for the greater good of New Zealand, it's time to sort of give up that sort of assault rifle that you don't really need. No, you don't. Yeah, you don't. You need it. You've like they've got them just for fun, just like blow up rabbits, which yeah. is. Yeah. Well, you know, some people say they do need them uh, for hunting um, deer and tar and all that. Ooh, but, you yeah, know, like the, as, as a hunter myself, uh, yeah. from time to time, um, I know that a bolt action 5 mag um, 303 will do a brilliant job. Exactly, I, yeah. I, I, I don't <laughs> still need really to, good guns. You can, yeah. I don't need to fire multiple shots. And, and yeah. if I do, I need to go, if I needed to do that, well, maybe I need to get some better target practice <laughs> and actually hit the fucking target without yeah. having to blow it to kingdom come. Yeah. Um, but why why punish gun owners? Like you were saying, you know, you, you yeah. talked about your friend. Why why punish them? You know, responsible gun owners. We've seen statistics that have come out recently where um, the amount of licensed gun owners that have committed murder is is, is minimal. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's tiny. Um, but you know that in saying that that um, that's not all gun crime. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what about the people being held up in dairies? Um, what you know, threatening, threatening with guns. What about all the injuries that have caught, been caused by guns? Not necessarily murder, um, but you know, should we punish responsible gun owners? Um, I have uh, sympathy for the gun lobby. Um, we have a very low rate of deaths caused by guns in New Zealand, even though we have a huge range of guns in this country um, because of our uh, hunting culture um, and, and, and also because of the sporting culture around duck shooting and, and, and etc. Um, and I think it's it's concerning that this law has been rushed through so fast. Um, um, I, I think uh, good on David Seymour from ACT for actually standing up and saying no, there should be a democratic process there and there should be time for the public to give submissions and have their voices heard, which hasn't hasn't happened, it's no, just been rushed through. And I think it's a general response to this horrific terrorist attack that there's a whole range of laws that are, are being called upon to be pushed through, whether to do with censorship and the internet and, and hate speech and, and, and gun control of course. And, and when you rush through laws, you often don't know what the consequences are going to be, especially when you don't allow, allow public consultation and you don't allow various lobby groups to, to come in and say well this could be a consequence of this law one consequence might be if you don't if you suddenly ban a whole lot of weapons that are legal at the moment, you might create a huge black market um, um, There already is a pretty big black market in guns mm. Well, an even greater black market uh, that you're not necessarily going to get rid of those weapons, and um, or if you if you pass laws on on hate crime, the consequence might be that um, um, the, the definition is so broad that uh, if you I don't know if you just um, raise criticisms of religion in general or certain politics in general, you can get done for hate speech. So I think it's concerning when all in response to a horrific 
event that um, that uh, wasn't characteristic of New Zealand society at all, mm. I don't think. It's a complete aberration uh, that we're passing a whole lot of very restrictive laws in response to this attack. Yeah, well, military-style semi-automatic rifles and uh, semi-automatic assault rifles, I'm pretty sure, have to be registered. Now, they're not they're not under the usual category, uh, and most people to get those have to get a special license. Right. So okay. those guns are pretty much registered, so we know where they are. They know who's mm. got them, and they know where they are. Um, and the other thing is, a big one for me that's not really being talked about, is the, I think, 2017 or 16 was the last statistic that came out. Over 2,000 guns were stolen from responsible gun owners. Wow. And a lot of those guns were used to go on and commit crimes. And we keep, we keep talking about murder here, but that's not the only gun crimes that are that committed in New Zealand. And, you know, just because you haven't been killed doesn't mean you haven't shat your pants. Mm. Like, a gun crime is scary. Uh, I know, as, you know, my family's a, a dairy owners, and there was a spate of dairy robberies in Dunedin with uh, a replica Glock. Uh, and, and they were scared, and my partner mm. worked in that shop, and she was scared. Mm. Um, and, and so you would be. So it's not just about um, death here. Uh, it's about a gun that n guns that don't necessarily need to be used, except for maybe like um, you know uh, sport shooters that go to the Olympics mm. and things like that. Um, so uh, I don't think we're necessarily um, you know when people talk about responsible gun owners, if we're losing two thousand guns every year, they're not being very responsible. That's not no. That's another point. And this is the type of discussion that is needed over a. Uh, a set period of time, rather than just rushing in to gun That's reform. That's right, but uh, you know, um, don't that we... different voices have to be heard. Giving people one day in a select committee is not. Um, that's not democracy. That's, don't we have that's to... farcical. Well, I mean, we do. We, we we voted in the government to do the right job, and um, and, and maybe you know. The... But it's not well. Uh, I guess that constitutionally, New Zealand governments can kind of do what they like, so they kind of are elected dictatorships. But um, uh, nonetheless, people expect that political parties stand on a certain platform, and they don't uh, then get into power and, and, and put in place a whole lot of laws that they never even discuss. Now, of course, we've had this extraordinary yeah. event in, in Christchurch, and so it, it's valid for the government to to think through what new issues have been raised due to that horrific terrorist attack um, but when there's people in, in the community who are saying hey we don't want this law rushed through whether it's uh, on hate speech or censorship or on gun control then I think the government should um, go through the normal democratic process of um, of yeah, of, of passing legislation. Isn't it their job to keep us safe, though? And if these laws are keeping us safe and by pushing them through faster, that's keeping us safe. Isn't, isn't that their job? It's the job for them to protect New Zealanders, and I think that's <coughs> kind of what they've done. I guess they could have they spent more time, they might have come up with some more creative mm. policy, but this is kind of the, the most basic and easiest way to fix all, everything mm. that's gone on so far. But and, it was um, a complete aberration, what we saw in Christchurch. There's no mass far right in New Zealand. Oh. There, there, there's some loopy people out there. That's right, there. but it doesn't have to be mass, though. No, I mean, it doesn't it has to be one, to be one person. But no, there's, but yeah. no one's saying whether it's um, um, security services or the police that these small far-right groups actually represent a, a violent threat. Uh, the the, well, the lone gunman in Christchurch had seemed that he had no connections with anyone on the far-right in New Zealand. Well, that's what's come out so far. I mean, that... Yeah, and 
I think the far right, to be honest, from my study of them, they're pretty cowardly. Yeah. That they'll pop their head up, um, but if, if you know a few leftists turn up and uh, start throwing punches, then they'll they'll yeah, quickly. But, I mean, the National Front, though. I mean, we, we yeah. you know there could be. I mean, for all we know, there could be a really tight underground network of proper scary bullets. But there's no evidence of that. There's no. absolutely no evidence. No, of there that. wasn't any evidence of it before the shooting either. Uh, so, and I think it's because yeah, it's similar to cases in in Britain where there's tight control over um, uh, over Muslim radical groups. That the cases when you do get a terrorist attack is when it's a lone wolf that doesn't pop up on. Um, on security uh, investigations because that they, they don't really have much contact with uh, with, with radical groups. All right, we're going to leave it there, so we're running out of time. But thank you both for coming in this morning, as always. Thank you. Fun. Cheers. Thank you. That was a Radio One ninety one FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.